0: Good morning. Great to have you here worshiping with us this morning. Um, our opening sentences come from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and a strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth we moved, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar in the trouble, though the mountains shake with the swelling, therefore thereof. Selah. Just a reminder that if you have a prayer request, please put fill that out so we can have our rushers pick it up and we can pray for it this morning and during the week. Also, we have change that in the bottles out in the lobby that we take from your pocket change. And we use that for items for babies and mothers and families that can't afford some of the diapers and stuff like that. We give it to the treehouse ministry to supply people with those items. We also have uh, the harvest. Uh, we have the bookshelf that you can put your food donations on for people who can't afford uh, food. And then this day, we have all these items that are listed in the back of your worship folders. Please look at them. We have these things going on during the week for your edification and growth in the Christian faith. I love the Lord. Oh, I love you, O oh Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Let's stand together as we worship together and sing glorious things of thee are spoken.
1: Glorious things of thee are spoken is referenced by Psalm eighty-seven, three. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. It is written by John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace and a saved um, slave ship captain, and the music is by Franz Joseph Haydn. confession. Our Father in Heaven, your name is the most sacred name in all eternity. We confess and seek your forgiveness for the times we have said it in vain. We admit we have often prayed for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, but we have not always meant it. There have been times we have wanted our will to be done and for you to get with the program and make it happen. We confess our lack of trust in your all-knowing mind and gracious kindness for our future. We believe, Lord, but help us in our moments of doubt and unbelief. All this we pray in the precious blood of Jesus that washes these and all our other sins away. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Guidelines for living this morning is also from 1 John 2. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did.
0: Let's stand together if you're able and let's sing our worship song set. of your Steve, our morning tithes, morning offerings. Steve, you want to read about this new hymn?
1: In Christ Alone was written in 2000, making one of, one of the um, most recent hymns added to the By Keith Deddy and Stuart Townsend, it is the setting of the gospel.
0: Father in heaven, we thank you for the talents and gifts that you give the body of Christ. And we thank you for this hymn that really shares the gospel and the truth about what you've done for us. And we praise you for that. We thank you for this opportunity now, Lord, to give for the furtherance of your kingdom and the blessing to give. Lord, you're so good to us, and we have so much to be thankful for in this country, as individuals, Lord, health, wealth. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen.
2: He is my life, my strength, my song, His cornerstone, His solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, what fears are still with striving seas. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand.
0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the privilege that we have right now to be in your presence, to lay before you our hurts, our wounds, our sorrows, our difficulties, our challenges. And today, Heavenly Father, we come to you as the sovereign Lord of the universe who knows all what's going on. And yet sometimes it's easy for us to fear. And so, Father, we come to you and we lay down before you the needs. We think of our nation, Lord, and some of the challenges that are going on right there. We pray for our president, for Congress, and for all those who are actively involved in making decisions for this country. And Lord, um, we just pray, Father God, that you'll give them the insights and the wisdom that they need from you, and that they will follow your plan and not their own, Lord, and not selfishly indulge themselves with government. We pray also, too, for the young men and women who... Put their lives on the line every day out in foreign soils to keep us in a democracy keep us safe but also too for the men and women on the streets every day for police and fire and ems and also lord many of those who are supplemental to that and caring in hospitals and whatnot lord we just give you praise for this wonderful country that we have and the systems that we do have in place we give you glory and praise and today heavenly father we come to you too for those in our congregation who are struggling Those who have difficulties in their life right now, I pray for Lucille, for her health. We pray also for Joyce and her family situation. We pray also, too, for those who are struggling with marriages and having difficulties, Lord, as they look to you, Christ, for strength and help and wisdom and working together as a team and loving you, Christ, even more. I pray also, too, Father God, for those who that we know that um, have lost loved ones. I think of Jackie this past week. as she um, lost her mom a while ago and they put her to rest yesterday we think of dorothy who right now is preparing herself to meet you lord at 98 years old i just pray that you continue to bless her give her the comfort and strength and joy she has in seeing you and knowing you and knowing where she's going we pray also for the little girl and family mother who were hitting that car wreck and uh, i just pray for them for their healing i pray also too for an officer friend of mine who's found out he's full of cancer young man, Father God, and I just pray for him and his family and that they can do something about it. We pray also for a man by the name of Mark who's got blastoma in his brain and that they can um, do something with it, that you can put your healing hand upon that brain and take it away. For little Samantha, um, that mama who uh, also has brain cancer, Lord, I pray for her healing. We ask you, Jesus, and we pray, plead for for their heal all these healings, Father. We pray also, too, Lord, for those who are suffering from PTSD and for the veterans that we have, and for those who are homeless, wandering our streets uh, without that, Lord. Lord, there's so many things. We think of those who have addictions. We have a list of them, Lord, of people that we love, for Ryan and for Jordan, for David, uh, for Eric, for Ricky. um, Lord, and Mitch, uh, these guys who battle this every day with this monkey on their back, Lord Jesus, I just pray for them. We pray for our families and our churches, too, who are in this church here, Lord, that um, children and young people and all that they have, their future, we pray as moms and dads, as we can give them direction, both our adult children and our little children and our grandchildren. Lord, we need your help in doing so. Father, I pray, too, that uh, you'll be with our church as we make this transition into another denomination and that will be good in your sight and that it will be well with us. We pray as we make the next uh, move, uh, Lord, to uh, do that, Lord, that you'll be with Billy and I as we go up to Nebraska this weekend and begin to prepare for that. And Lord, we thank you for um, also providing for us a group that we feel an affinity to, that we can stand up for the truth in a society that is gone awry, Lord, and that we can stand tall for you, Christ. And I pray, Lord, for people here today that may have somebody that they were not able to put on a list or get to me this morning to pray. As they lift up their name, Lord, you hear our prayer for them. And now, Father God, I pray that you open up the word to us. Lord, your Holy Spirit is needed here, Lord, and this is a tough topic that we're talking about today, Lord, and you know uh, that, uh, Lord, our hearts, but we need this, Lord. That's why you put it in there, to help us to be strong and to walk with you and serve you in our lives, Jesus. Now open up your word to us and help us to hear what we need to hear, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. How rich are you? You don't have to answer. (laughs) How rich do you really feel? in your life right now. You know, it's interesting that we think of the rich and we think of people like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. We think of others in our world. And I went on a computer little program that's Global Rich List. And I plugged in some of the numbers and it's interesting, but if you find that you make $60,000 a year or more you're in the top 2% of the richest people in the world. If you make 50,000, it's 3%, 40,000, 6%, 20,000, 12%. And if you make only 10,000, you're 16%. That means you're wealthier than 84% of the people in the world. The Gallup organization made a study, and they found that at least 22% of the world Lives on a dollar and a quarter a day. That the um, person who makes sixty, uh, and then if thirty-four percent, it's two dollars a day. So if you're making over sixty-five thousand dollars, you're in the top uh, one hundred percent of one hundred one percent of the nation's wealth. Now, if you have a cell phone, you got a car, a computer, a bed a home, you are in that category. You're rich. And sometimes it's hard for us to believe that, isn't it? I know, you know, We sometimes James is giving us a warning here today because he is saying to us, be careful what your wealth can do to you. It can affect us pretty dastardly and it can be a deep spiritual problem in our lives you see james was speaking to a group of people who were dispattered now all over south asia the church had been persecuted but now they were being comfortable and they were getting into society but they had some bad examples before them of people who were using their wealth and hurting their brothers and sisters especially the jews some of the people who were pagans in that society were using their wealth for sinful means and to make themselves wealthy. And James here talks to us about how not to fall into those temptations that come with our wealth. In fact, money is not the problem. Wealth is not the problem. It's our, this, the love of money, says Paul is the problem. That's the root of it. And it's a very sad thing that can easily destroy us and our families and our spiritual lives. You see, the Bible does not discourage acquiring wealth. In fact, capitalism comes from the Gospel, and it's interesting how not only Catholicism, but the Protestant ethic of work and working hard to make your money, that is very much the Gospel. fact, the Bible says if a person doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. That's what Paul says. And you see, in the Bible, we have all these people who did have wealth. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Job was very wealthy. There's nothing wrong with wealth. It's an inanimate object. The thing is, is that what does happen to us with our personal property and in our hearts, that's the thing. You see, money is not the root of evil. It's the love of money. That's the root. Because you see, it's a blessing from God. All that we have. This country is blessed because the early fathers in this country laid down the principles from the scriptures in the Constitution. And we have this freedom to do and earn and to love. And, And what a wonderful blessing it has been. But it's the misuse of it. That's what James is coming today. And the wrong use of it is the problem. Because he sees some of the Christians looking on these other people and saying, hey, they're getting ahead. And it's very easy. Psalmist says it. He says, fret not thyself against Jesus. We We look at Warren Buffett. We look at Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg, they're making a ton load of money. But the question is, where's their heart? Where's our heart? And you see, James today speaks to us. You know, there's, this is a unique thing in our society today where we have a middle class. In America, in the Western world. In this day, when James is writing this, there were those who had and those who had not. And James is speaking to us today also, though. And one of the things he warns us against, first off, is the warn of arrogance. Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Now, James is a pretty harsh guy, and he speaks pretty tough what he's saying to us, number one, you've got to understand, he's using three commodities in that day. Three commodities that they have, which was their food, their clothing, and their material, metal materials. And what he's saying is they do not last. Moth eat the the clothing. And he says the corrosion of the metals, but he's really talking about gold doesn't corrode. But what happens is it diminishes in its value. And he talks about food that rots. And James is talking about to us how easy it is it fluctuates. And so he says riches vanish. So don't put all your bags in the basket on your wealth. And it's very careful that we must not misuse those. Because they erode not only physically. But James is saying is that they erode you spiritually inside. And it's nothing wrong to be rich, but if you allow it to grab a hold of you and destroy your character and moral being, James says this is unpleasing to God. In fact, judgment is there for those who allow that to happen. James was not only saw a present judgment at that point where it will erode, it will be both eaten and all that. But he says in the end also, you have to stand before God about that. And so he speaks about these commodities. You see, they didn't have banks in those days. And so he speaks on terms of these commodities. And one of the things that he says to us, money makes us think we can do anything. How many people that we've seen on our TV sets who've done drastic things and who've got away with it. Look at O.J. Simpson. Look at Epstein, who was convicted, but really did not what, just get a slap on his hand the first time around because of his wealth and who he knew and all the things that were in it. You see, we have to understand, and this is what the world doesn't understand and teach us. The rich man who died when he's going by in the hearse and the fellow says to him, How much did he leave? He left it all. We all leave it all. Billy Graham spoke about the Brinks truck that doesn't follow the hearse t- to the funeral home. And that oftentimes there's a beautiful little saying that the Italians have. And it says, An Italian proverb says, The last robe has no pockets. You can't take it with you. And what happens is, Job said it the very best, he said, naked came I from my mother's womb, Na- naked shall I return. Job understood. You know, it's foolish. How many of you seen that bumper sticker on that, on that one truck that says, he who dies with the most toys wins? What a fool. That's foolishness. James is speaking to us about our spiritual health. And I know sometimes I get caught into it. I saw it the other day. I'll explain it in a minute. But one of the things that money can lead to misery. Why do you think Warren Buffett is leading 85% of his billions of dollars to charity and not to his children? Because he's seen what wealth can do to children and how they can become spoiled, how they can be, uh, thinking they're above other people, and it's a dangerous, subtle little temptation that comes. And this is why James is saying to them, Cry out. The word there is Oluzo, because this is coming to people who allow their wealth to own them. He says, Be careful, because it all winds up in the dumpster anyway. James is speaking very clearly to us how easy it is to think you're above other people when you have wealth. Riches rot. And and the wonderful thing is is that we understand that the way you deal with your wealth relies and it it indicates a lot about who we are spiritually. The producer of Telcom who made an eight, One million billion billion by doing El Telecom, but he has lost his soul. You hear of Bill Gates, who was a Congregationalist, grew up as a Congregationalist. You know where he stands spiritually right now? He's an agnostic. Warren Buffett, raised in the Presbyterian Church, given all the catechism and taught the Bible. And now he also is an agnostic. You see, because when you think that you can earn your way, and you think that you have everything that you need, and you don't need God. And this is the tragedy that wealth can do to our souls. It can rob us of what we need. And the Word of God here speaks to us and says, you should mourn. You should whine. You should wail because this is, be careful that it doesn't happen to you and whine for these people who it is gonna, it's happening to. You see, possessions can also possess us. They can grab us and hold us. How many times have you seen it and understood that possessions grab a hold of a person and they can't let it go? Jesus said it, Not make for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and dust can corrupt. I was reading about a fable of this day, where a man was saying to himself, "If an angel came to me, what would I say?" And he, an angel appeared, and he said to him, "Hey, I'd like to know what the stock market's going to do next year on this date." So I can invest in it. The angel showed him the paper. And he got big eyes because he knew what to do with his investments. But as he looked on the other side of the page, there was a picture of him. And it was an obituary. And here his day would be taken that very day. You see, the Bible here speaks to us very plainly dollar bills wear out. The dollar is going to wear out someday. And how easy it is to be owned and possessed by what we have. I was reading about a woman by the name of Hetty Green. She's known as the Wall Street Witch. Back in November of 1834, she was born. She died in 1916. And her family made a ton of money. On the Chinese trade during the Gilded Days. And they made a lot of money, and she grew up in Massachusetts. But then she was taken to her grandfather's because her mom had gotten sick. And so at six years old, she already was reading the financial papers to her grandfather at six. When she turned. Um, 13, she started running the family books. And at 15, they sent her to school to handle economics because she was a whiz. But one of the tragedies of her life was even though she inherited in 1864 over $100 million back in that day, which was a lot of money, she was owned by her possessions. In fact, she made so much more money with war bonds from the Civil War. But listen to her life and how it possessed her. The story goes that her undergarments she would wear until they would wear out, so she wouldn't have to clean them. And that she would not wash her hands in hot water because it was too costly. One day they said she was in the carriage at night until two in the morning for six hours searching for a two-cent stamp that she dropped on the floor. And then the tragedy of it all is, is that her clothing, she would only have her black dresses so they would not show dirt. And she'd only have her maids wash the bottom because it was too expensive to use the soap. But the worst was when her son broke his leg. And she held back for about a week getting him help because she was looking for a free place to go rather than pay a doctor to fix his leg. And he was limping for the rest of his life. See, the Bible never condemns wealth, folks. But what he does is it's the abuse. When it owns us, it possesses us, riches can easily destroy us inside and out. In Proverbs Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes five, he says, There is a severe evil which I've seen under the sun. Rich is kept for the owners to his hurt, that when it hurts us. And that's what happened with Hattie. You know, it's amazing how sometimes it can easily become owning us that way. How we can even find ourselves, you know, in in, in, in tragedies, and yet What a wonderful thing is that when we realize God is in control and we leave it in his hands. The other day I was going down Tyler Road. You know, last quarter my stockbroker said to me, Dave, don't look at your stocks. Don't look at your investments. You'll be sick. (laughs) And he was right. And so I didn't. And we know how that fluctuates, don't we? And the other day, I second quarter, I thought, well, you know, I'll look, and boy, oh boy, was I shaken. But you know what? God's in control. But you know how easy it is, Lord, to see ourselves trusting in that rather than trusting our Lord. When we see our four winds K's diminishing. When we see gas prices going up, food costs going up, and inflation hitting, it really straddles us. And then Jesus speaks to us and says, I'll care for you. I'll take care of you. Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. You see, God never intended for us for money to be the goal in itself. Rather, God intended for us to enjoy life as he provides it for her and trust him by faith. Oh, so sad is Hattie Green, who died with $200 million in her pocket, but never enjoyed it. Benjamin Franklin said it so well, and we need to be cautious. Money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to possess, produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead, filling a vacuum... It makes one, if it satisfies one want, it doubles and triples and wants another way. You see, and that's the tragedy. That it can easily possess us and we can be satisfied with life, dissatisfied with the people around us, to satisfy what God has provided for us. And we should be grateful for what God has. Look at all the things that we have. We talked about it. We're top 1% most of us here. If not, the 15%. How blessed can we be? You see, and the final thing James talks about here is the danger that we lose the opportunity in the last days and instead have to face God's judgment instead of using that opportunity to help people and to show them life. I mean, how sad is it to own a million-dollar house and not have any home? How sad is it to have a $2 million diamond ring on your finger with nobody who loves you. And it was just given as a token. See, that's the tragedy here. And James wants us not to fall into that trap. He wants us to enjoy what God has given to us, but to use it for the glory. That's what it's made for. You know, we, don't, we take things so for granted here. I do. This morning I was in Panera having some breakfast, and there was this couple who sat next to a man from Ukraine. They had gone to uh, a mission conference down in Florida, and they sat next to this man from Ukraine, and they were totally blown away by his attitude. Because what had happened with him is he lost his house his belongings you know you look at these pictures of ukraine on tv and you see these big high-rise these people were having economic prosperity they were doing things now they have nothing and you know what he said to them him and his wife were able to escape with his daughter-in-law and they he said to them the only thing i wish that god if it were to happen he says my son And my two grandsons are right now over in the Ukraine fighting the Russians. And he said, I pray that if one of them dies, that the Lord would take me before I find out. That's how he's living today. They have nothing. And here, James is saying to us, Be careful, friends, because it's easy to lose. Nothing at all could be in our prosperity. And that's why he warns too, not only of arrogance, but of also of cruelty. This is a terrible time that's happening here. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed their fields, which had kept back by fraud, cry out. Their cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. This was a terrible time in the history of Israel, in the history of the church. Because what happened was most of these people who were working for fields were really peasants. And what they did is they worked daily, they were daily workers. So our terminology calls them migrant workers. And what they did is they worked a the day and then you paid them at the end of the day. Well, here, he's speaking about the world's way was using of not paying them at the end of the day. Say, I'll pay you that tomorrow, I'll pay you that at the end of the week. And these people would work. And then they wouldn't pay them. They would steal them blind. They would use them. And here James is speaking against that kind of thing. And says to them, pay it. Because you're going to be standing before God when you, if you have to answer for this. And these people had vast estates. And here he wants them to see. You can't be cruel with your wealth. You help these people. You know, there's a lot of people who feel that when you have money, you can do anything you want. And the golden rule is that those who have the gold make the rules. But James here is saying, no, that's not the way it goes in God's ways. And when you hold back, you are hurting people. People that I've died for. I know... There are people who, I, I, I see it in our church, wonderful people who are owners of businesses who really care for people. And they help them a lot. More than they go, they go outside the box. But the danger is, James is saying to be careful. Watch yourself. Don't fall in this. Because you, you see, and, and, and through the Old Testament, there was protections for these people. In Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, even in Jeremiah, that you pay them their due weight. But how easy that can happen. I know a young man who came to me one time. Not a young man. He was 40 years old. He's struggling. He had a business, lost it. He's a good carpenter. And he said, Pastor Dave, I, I got to get this job done. I need some money. Could you help me with the equipment? So I go down and I pay for his equipment so he can get the job done. He does the job for the man. And then the man says, well, I'm not going to pay you. I'm out my money. He's out his time very cruel to this man, and I helped him out with food and stuff like that. But this is what can happen when this money can, our wealth can possess us. You see, one of the sad things about it is when we as Christians don't pay our bills, or we owe somebody, and we need to take care of that. And if you can't, make reparations or work it out so that you can. Because our witness for Jesus Christ is on the line. And we want to show that we are truly. And the Bible talks about, thou shalt not steal. And it's so easy to lose that with young people. You know, and, and, and one of the hardest things in a marriage is, is, you know as well as I do, some people struggle with finances all their married life and it causes great havoc in their lives. So the Bible here speaks to us. And he says to us, right here, don't steal. Don't take away from other people. But basically, pay your due. I had a situation in my life. And, you know, some people like to make a point. (laughs) I had a treasurer in my previous church. Great guy. Good friend. But one day, we had just... Started in the church. We were there for about a year, and he was our treasurer And my wife calls me at the office and says Dave They're gonna shut off our light bill So what? She said yeah, they're gonna shut off our light bill because it hasn't been paid. So I called our treasurer I knew we had the money in the bank He says oh, yeah, that's those big conglomerates. They need to wait on their money. What? You're using us? so that you could get down on these big corporations that they don't care if Dave's Electric gets shut off. And so we had a, we, we, we wind up explaining to him that you're using us to try to hurt the phone, fo- and it doesn't hurt them at all. And so we worked out a different arrangement that we paid it to make sure that we would have lights on every week at our home. You see, it's wrong when we withhold something that we owe. The Bible here speaks to us, and James is speaking to us, and that it can even be cruel, and it can be intentional. You know as well as I do. There are some people in this world, and they should not be calling themselves Christians, and if they do, they're false. We had a guy here that used to work at, at he owned a, a repossession car business, and also he worked in collecting uh, bills. And I'll never forget, you know, he just said, you know, there are people who walk into a dealership, They'll put down a down payment on a car, but they'll walk away and never have any idea that they're gonna ever make another payment. And he has a company, his son's company, that would chase these people around in a tow truck trying to find these cars to repossess them, and sometimes it'd be a year, year and a half before they could repossess them. And these people had never any thought that they were once they put the down payment down, they were just gonna use a brand new car For maybe six months to a year and a half and drive around in it and without ever being repossessed. And then they're all upset when they get repossessed. You see, the Bible here says the Lord of the Sabbath you stand and speak to and that you stand before him and you deal with this. And notice what he says is that not only cruelty, but then also self-indulgence word of god here speaks to us and it says to us we have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter you see the deceit is so great leona holmesley she owned a 30 acre property in the town that we lived in right by the george washington bridge and she was indicted for tax evasion because she didn't think she needed to pay taxes and one of the days, what she got, one of the, when she was finally prosecuted, one of her motel employees said that basically she only believed that poor people pay taxes, that she doesn't have to pay taxes. And you see, God speaks about that attitude, being so pride and so full of oneself that they don't need to obey the law. They don't need to care for other people. You see, the Word of God speaks to us. It says, we are Christians. We do this very differently. He said, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it's like a sprout wings and flies away like the Notice how the Bible here speaks to us again about how easy it is just flies away. You know, James is speaking here about luxury. Now there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. God's given us these blessings, but it's when we take it and put our hope in it that we, we, we surround it and think this is our only means of life. It's so tragic when people put their hope in that kind of stuff. There was a sultan who came to America and bought 19 Cadillacs for his 19 wives, paid extra for length. For another couple Mercedes and then a couple of Porsches and a speedboat. $47,000 worth of women's luggage he bought. And then to ship it all, it cost $200,000. And yet he didn't realize that it's diminishing returns. That's what the Bible says here today. There's a great difference between folks enjoying what God has given to us, which we should but the extravagance to withhold from others, to hurt others in the process, to put yourself above and thinking you've got a better attitude. We all stand before the Lord. Luxury is, can ruin our characters, folks. You see, money is just a neutral thing. It can do nothing to us, but we can allow it to do it to ourselves. Riches can trick us into thinking that we're good enough for heaven. Riches can take us and and feeds delusions. Think about the man that Jesus spoke to with the barns. He was delusional thinking that he had tomorrow. And that he had it all under his plan. There's nothing wrong with planning and taking care of what we need. The Bible says that if if we don't plan like the ant... That, 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 that we, we find ourselves like the fool. It's, we're like infidels. We as Christians need to plan for our future. Need to, but we don't do it at others hurt. We don't do it to make ourselves feel like we're better than everybody else. But that we truly do it to glorify God. And use it to edify our children. To edify other people. To enjoy and see what God's blessings can do when it's handled in the godly way of Christ's lordship over our lives. This is a beautiful thing. You see, I remember one time as a child going to this very wealthy lady's house. She had died in her home. And we went to this house and she hoarded. Everything she bought, she put in. She had boxes that didn't even, weren't even open. There are people this way today with Amazon. It's ridiculous. And you sit there and you go to yourself, okay, why do people do this? Why do they surround themselves with all this stuff? They're saying that people are doing it because it makes them feel secure. They've got the tangible things. And so they can sit around and be grateful that they're okay. They're not even thinking about eternity. They're just thinking about their every day. And they have these things surrounding them to feel security. And Jesus talks about that heaping up. James talks about that heaping up. And it's so easy to fall into that. Rockefeller, one time they said to him, he said, how much money is enough? And he said, more than I have now. And all the money that he had. And when we were cleaning this house out, it was musty it smelled we found some animals that had died in it and all this was her security to feel that she was okay and that she was going to make it until the end that she had more than she could need you see this is the danger and that the danger comes is be careful that we don't become wasteful of And that our desires get more to us. How many people do we know? My fear of young people today who feel they need something right away and their desire is there and so they pick up a credit card and can get it. And they continue to put themselves under more and more debt. They find themselves in a hole that instead of giving them security... It gives them fear and anxiety. And some of them even, I, I know two young men who lost their house because of their wayward spending. And it's all because they wanted that security. And that self-indulgence made them feel that, okay, I'm okay, and I can still do this. And it made them feel like they're going to be okay in the future when they were not. See, the tragedy comes that way For those who struggle with this and so we need to step aside and listen to james how am i using my wealth what has god done for me and given me and how can i use it for his glory and my good and for the good of those whom i love and those who i can think i can help you see there's nothing wrong with having it's our attitudes towards it. Corzino Aquino, who became the dictator, overthrew the dictator, she found herself not wanting to live in the presidential palace because she knew the effects it would have on her. And she wanted to show people that it's not about wealth. It's about their freedom. About taking care of herself like the dictator did before her, Marcos. It was all about the people Evander Holyfield boxer wonderful boxer 250 million dollars in cash he won in his boxing and he didn't make too many smart business moves but one of them was he bought a 20 million dollar mansion 4,000 square foot 109 rooms 11 bathrooms, 17 bedrooms, all sprawling with bowling alleys and everything, 450 acres to cut. And it cost his electric bill was one Land Rover a month to pay for the electric bill. But he didn't think about that. He had it. He wanted to live in luxury because he won this. He wound up penniless, broke because of his self-indulgence. And James comes to us and says be careful. Don't let your wealth that God has blessed you with destroy you. He warns us of about oppression and this is one of the worst cases. You condemn you have murdered the just He does not resist you. He's using, he's talking about them using the courts, the dishonest courts of that day to oppress the people, to get their land from them and to get their cash from them and that they have to work for them so they can get even more wealthy and being more cruel. This is what was going on in James' day. And James condemns them. And he says, be careful. Wealth from a quick, rich The scheme quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Think about it. How many times have you stood in Quick Trip and said to yourself, if I buy that $1 ticket and that goes, am I going to be a millionaire? It's going to be great. James says, in the Proverbs, say, don't do it. Hard work, taking care of your loved ones, doing that, that's what's important. You see, this whole loan sharking thing is a dangerous thing because it takes from the poor and steals from the rich, or it takes from the poor and gives to the rich. You see, Henry Kitchener had it said real well, I put this in your bulletin for I think you all to understand, because this is something that we have in America we have a problem with. To Americans, usually tragedy is wanting something very badly and not getting it. But many people have not learned the private lesson of lives. The nations that have learned them in historical experience that perhaps the worst tragedy is wanting something badly, getting it, and finding it empty. It doesn't satisfy you. Here you work so hard for it, you think you're going to get it, and it all finds itself. James wants us to be good stewards of what we have. God has blessed us all, folks. And we're to use it for God's glory and his lordship over our wealth. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy our families. But we need to use this as a commodity to help us. Not as our goal in life not as something that can be used brutally. The Bible here speaks to us very boldly and says you condemn yourselves if you do that. See, and James is warning these Christians not to do that because he wants to protect us to enjoy the real life, which is in Jesus Christ. That we can really enjoy life fully with him. And he's provided us with these blessings. And we don't have to fear them but we have to respect them and we live in the Lordship of Jesus Christ doing our best to make them valuable to the kingdom of God for ourselves and for the people around us because it easily, easily can destroy us personally and our families and our relationship with God. This is critical. Back in 1923, 10 of the most prestigious men in America, financially, went to the Edgemoor Beach Motel in Chicago to figure out how they can work their areas of influence even better to make more money. They spent several days pursuing the financial pursuits. People from the New York Stock Exchange and from Wall Street and from power in financial metal and steel and oil. Ten of them. And that was back in 1923. Well, somebody did a study 25 years later of those men, 1948. And tragically, their lives were in despair. The steel company went bankrupt. The banker became a recluse. One had to be pardoned by the president. Another went to sing-sing. Another was hospitalized. And then there were four people who lost everything and committed suicide. The Bible says to us, folks, the love of money is the root to all evil. But the wealth that you have as a Christian and what God has given to you is a blessing if you put it under his lordship and you do with it for his glory and for your family and for your good that honors his name. Let's pray together. Father, this is a difficult thing for us all to look at. Because, Lord, oftentimes we don't think about finances and money as spiritual, but they are. And I pray for this congregation. They have been blessed, and we have been as a nation and as a people. Lord, give us wisdom how to use it wisely and to use it to glorify your kingdom. And also, Lord, to show the world that your way is the right way, and it's a wonderful way. Jesus, bless these people, Lord, as they go out into their world this week and help them enjoy the fruits of their earnings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and close and receive the benediction, and we can sing our closing song. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. The
1: world behind.